Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clermotive Marketing is 15. I want to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to a very special episode where I'm going to flip the script and turn the tables. And I'm happy to do that with my good friend, Mr. Scott Martin in the guest host chair and my partner in crime at Clear Motive Marketing celebrating our 15 year, Mr. Chad Croker. Hello, gentlemen. Aloha. Hello. Good afternoon. I'm really excited to be on. Some of you who have been following me for a few years may know that I work at this amazing little agency called Clearmoto Marketing that Chad and I started about 15 years ago. Not about 15 years ago, exactly 15 years ago. So we are celebrating our 50-year anniversary, and a couple of people challenged us to be on the other side of the microphone. So I I invited our my trusty past um, Flip the Script co-host or host, Mr. Scott Martin, who has his own podcast and his own journey around marketing, which I think we've known each other for about 10 years, so no one better to tell the story. So Scott, uh, without further ado, I'll stop talking, I promise. And I'll turn the microphone over to you. <laughs> well, first, I want to say congratulations to both of you. That is such an incredible feat to be in business for that long and in a partnership and so successful as you are. So first of all, congratulations. Um, my second comment is, what is the what is what is the one thing you regret about doing this for fifteen years? <laughs> oh, what an awesome lead! Okay, Chad, I'll let you go first. <laughs> what do we regret? Uh, <laughs> maybe not starting earlier. I don't know. <laughs> oh, good answer. Good good answer. answer. I, would, I would say that one of the one of the one of the main things at the very beginning was I think I remember Tyler saying. You know, you're incredibly talented, but uh, not so good at the uh, managing your finances part of life. So <laughs> I'm going to come did in I, and help out. <laughs> did I say that uh, like that? Maybe maybe I did. Um, so I think so the only- I'll say that in context to uh, I, I had started the business um, early. Well, I started started switch marketing earlier, uh, which was my you know sort of little freelancing company. And I was supporting Tyler on the marketing side. And so we'd gotten to know each other that way. Uh, and I went from, you know, making a pretty small salary, uh, at another company and then starting on my own and basically had very quick success and specifically financially, I would say. So I went from that, you know, zero to hero, or certainly I felt that way 15 years ago, 17 years ago, whenever that was exactly when I started that. Uh, so <laughs> when, uh, when I, when I really started making money at the beginning, then I really started spending money pretty much immediately. And, uh, and then it was like, I got to, got to know Tyler and, you know, he, he showed, he showed me the ways. So that's why I say, I, I wish I would have started a little earlier, made a, had maybe made a few less financial mistakes, but that, that's okay, so, well so yours now. is we wish you started sooner. Tyler, what's yours? Um, Honestly, it's in direct correlation to where we are now as a company where the the most the part I'm the proud the most proud of is that 15 years in and it's the best version it's ever been, which is because I think we I 
when I'm going to say we, I stopped chasing and started admitting and embracing who we are and what we were truly about and what we were truly good at and the marketing operations and the high volume, hardworking creative, that we weren't the agency that needed to win all the awards. We needed the, we were the agency that partnered with our clients to help them do the most sales or the most enablement of whatever they were trying to do, often selling of a product or service, often a product. And for a lot of years, we did that work, but I was always like, oh, there's got to be something more. I'm missing some, there's a secret formula for growth. And uh, there was a little bit, I think maybe also the wisdom of getting older, you're like, oh, this is actually who we, this is exactly who I am and who we are as a team and as a group and what we're the best at. Why don't we just go all in on that rather than chasing potentially the magic or the gap or the something that could be bigger, like growth growth for the sake of growth and magic for the sake of magic versus going, wait a second, I feel like the alchemist, I go on this big journey and everything I needed to know was already there when I got back. That's something that I think only could have happened over time, but I regret that it maybe didn't happen a little bit sooner. Beautiful. So your regret is is that you just didn't settle into that this was really what you love doing and the form in which you want to be doing it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not about the love. To, I always loved doing it, but I was, I was chasing hard for something that was already there. Right. That the secret sauce of like, what's our magic value proposition and what makes us unique and let's rewrite our vision and our purpose. And, it, it, and we, we ended up going, well, why don't we just write what we actually are versus this aspirational nature? And so it wasn't that I didn't love it or I didn't enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it. Like l- doing this job and, and basically you live in a re- living, breathing case study all the time. You're getting, I'm getting in my role to meet business owners, understand their businesses, understand, oh, that's how it actually works. So I've always felt privileged to do that. But somewhere I always thought there was a better version of the clear motive that we could have been that would have serviced that better versus actually what we were actually doing and that it was actually, it was valued by our clients, maybe even more than I gave it credit for. I wish I would have hit that, 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 that hammer would have hit me in the forehead a little bit sooner. <laughs> nice. Okay. So on the flip side, what has been like the one thing or a couple things that you guys have learned as partners, like having a partnership, it's one thing to have a business for 15 years, but to have a business partnership, I mean, that is that is incredibly impressive. Like, what would you say is the factor that has um, created this this longstanding relationship for 15 years successfully? It's a bit like a marriage, you know? It's not a bit like a marriage. It's exactly like a marriage. <laughs> so with that, I'll turn it over to Chad. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that the probably is still the best part about our relationship is how much we complement each other. I think in the early stages, um, there was a little bit of a challenge of, you know, how much we were different. Um, and then very quickly, I think we, we learned that that was a huge asset. Uh, I think, you know, in, in many ways, um, we're almost, you know, in a very good way, we, th- we look at things very differently. We look at things almost oppositely. Um, <clears throat> and that I think has been probably the best part of our of our relationship uh, as it relates to the success of our business. Um, and I think that, you know, even still today, there's things that I will just immediately look at, uh, you know, in a certain lens. And there's, you know, there's certain things, there's certain ways that, that Tyler looks at it with his lens. And, uh, and to me, that is, that is the best part of it. I mean, We've always said business is a team sport, and um, you know I think ha- having a teammate that looks at things completely different than you is a huge success. Yes, agreed. <laughs> and what a, there's a lot of people in life that I would argue that I look at things very differently from, and I also and I and then I also don't like hanging out with them uh, for a variety of reasons. But Chad always aligned. Chad and I have always aligned, and and 
there's no such thing as over communication when you're in a 15 year partnership. It's just called communication and it's important and it's daily and it matters. So even when we misaligned on, like I see it, I'm misaligned. I see it this way. You see it that way, but our shared values of, we need to find a, a solution that works. We're committed to this business. We have the similar work ethic. I've got your back. You've got mine. Those were non-negotiable. So, you know, nothing will destroy a relationship like a misalignment of values. Chad and I have never had a misalignment of values yet. Arguably we look at every single thing in a different way. So what allowed us to do that successfully was the values alignment and the fact that we both continue to grow as individuals, having very different paths in our lives, but always trying to be better at being us. And that always seemed to come together and align. Like that never was like, oh, you're into that. I'm, oh, I don't disagree. And I don't think hard work matters or like the things that we aligned on, we aligned on fiercely, aggressively, and consistently. So it allowed us to complement each other by not agreeing, but that was okay because it wasn't about agreement. It was about what's the best way to look at this because I know your intentions are the same as mine, even though you look at this the opposite way. So it's what allows the contradiction or the conflict to thrive is the shared values that when you're in the shit, I know you still got my back, even though you're completely looking at this in a way that I don't even see. And over the years, you start to really value that. Like, hey, how do you see this? Because I already know it's going to be different. But after 15 years, I'm still not quite sure how you're going to see it. That's the value. There's always still a little surprise in it. And I think we've started to use it even more deliberately as a superpower. Where at the beginning, it was probably a little bit like, wow, what do you mean you don't see it this way? But the value still held it together. So it's been a, it's been of a journey. And after 15 years, you know, we don't finish each other's sentence, but, but I know if he did, it would be different than mine. And I'm excited to hear what he's going to say. <laughs> you know, if it's like a marriage, then, then when you guys were dating... Tell us the origin story because was it like Matt? Did you have a matchmaker or did you guys like how did you know how like when you're looking at somebody's trying to create a partnership and they look at the success like you're a, a beacon of possibility? How, picking your partner is such a it's like picking your life partner. How did this all come about? Was it planned? Was it like give us a little bit of backbone? Well, Chad picked me up at a party. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at a backyard fire. I'm the outsider. I'm for, I'm new to Calgary. I'm early dating my wife, uh, my actual wife, my actual marriage, my actually my life partner, my other life partner. And I got invited to a backyard fire pit party, which was already a wee bit weird for me because I grew up in Montreal. Nobody had fire pits in their backyard. That was a weird thing. You had swimming pools in your backyard. But she's like, oh, you want to go to this fire pit party? I'm like, oh, sure. It was a bunch of people they went to school with. And fortunately, Chad and my wife had been in a similar school, different years, but sim- but sim- but in, in in the same school. And I sit down around this fire pit of people and everyone's got their little pockets and I just kind of sit down and there's a guy sitting beside me and he looks over, he goes, Hey, I'm Chad. Jake puts his hand out. Do you want to smoke a cigar? I did not <laughs> want to smoke a cigar, but I also was like, this is my opportunity. Like, do you want to be in or do you want to be the guy sitting at the fire pit party by yourself? And I said, yes. And that changed my life. So Chad made the first move is the way I like to tell that. I mean, you might tell the story differently, Chad, but that's how I remember it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's definitely how it started. And I would say uh, true, true to, since, since we're on the pathway of, you know, dating to marriage and using those analogies, uh, we, we definitely, um, you know, we were friends first before we made the commitment. <laughs> we we really yeah. actually did, you know, we, we, we spoke a lot about business uh, right off the get-go. I would say that was the very first thing that, that I noticed. Uh, I really appreciated his perspective on business and the way that he looked at, um, you know, at the time he had a personal training, uh, fitness training company. And uh, so, you know, we were talking about him 
building that business and growing that business. And at that point I was sort of aspiring, you know, to, to sort of quit my full-time job and, uh, start on my own and things. And so I really, I think right from the very beginning sort of looked at that as a combination of a, a bit of a peer slash mentor relationship. Uh, and I was asking him a lot of different questions because he had sort of already done the thing of starting the business and, you know, and doing what he was doing. Um, and so then, you know, he had, really taken a very marketing first approach to, to his business and, uh, and clearly was very interested in the marketing side of it. And so then at that point I was a little bit more exclusively focused on sort of copy and graphic design. Um, and you know, so then I was supporting him and working with him on that. And then it just sort of evolved into, you know, we worked really, really well together. Half of the conversations were about actually doing the work. And then the other half of the conversations were about growing business and, and all of those kinds of things. And so then when it came down to it, uh, then it was kind of his turn to approach me and basically say, Hey, listen, you know, there's an opportunity here and I see it and I'm wondering if you see it. And, um, and I did see it. And so, you know, then the next thing was, you know, we progressed from cigars to, to wine and, you know, shared a bottle or two of wine and decided to, uh, to buy this, you know, this space downtown. And I remember it just being terrifying. It was hilarious because he had said at the beginning, you know, of course, the, the very start of it from an operational perspective, it was like, this is how much money we need to make. And I, was, I just remember it being completely captivating. It was like four hundred dollars a day. It was like if we're going to make this work, you know, to pay our you know, our our rent on our place. Or we we had bought a, a loft downtown, <laughs> and so at the beginning, I remember sitting down. And it was like, hey, we I think we had hired our first employee at that point, um, and it was like we need to make you know four hundred dollars a day. And I was like, that is terrifying to me. Like I can't wake up in the morning thinking I have to make four hundred dollars today. Um, and it's funny because I mean, even even still, I mean, if we were to look at you know what the actual you know, all, all of the costs and all of those things, that's very much been Tyler's responsibility and that he's obviously excelled at. So it's been really helpful, but I just focus on, you know, if we just talk about, this is how we're going to make sure that our clients are happy. That that's what I got engaged with. I was really excited about, here's how we're going to help our clients grow. Super focused on that. He was focused on making sure that our, our business was, you know, functioning and uh, profitable and all those kinds of things. So yeah, that's, that's the way I see it. It was an ev- it was ev- I was Chad's client for starters for sure absolutely it started off very much as a always we always joked because we were business friends not beer drinking buddies and you know from a formula you asked about a partnership or how to make it work be careful what lines you blur and be careful the wh- why and our conversation was always about business it was always about growth personal and and otherwise but we we didn't have beers together like you know we drink wine or you know we do events but it was very clearly like we became business friends well before we ever went down the road of you know hangout hangout buddies and over the years there's been an mm-hmm. evolution of just spending time together but it started from a very pure perspective where we were both coming together for that reason. It wasn't like, hey, we drink beers together. We should also start a business. It never went that way. And not saying that that's a good or a bad, but for us, we always felt that that was part of the formula that made it work. Mm-hmm. So that, so your growth, you, I mean, you, you were terrified about starting this, this business, I guess, you know, of, of getting it rolling or, or at least challenged with it when you guys came together. What is, what is like, what are you excited about and challenged about right now together as 15 years? Like, is there is there something that you're doing right now that's like renewed or or that you're moving toward or after 15 years you're going to look toward what's in the what's in the future it's a, well it's funny to to answer that but i think continuing to grow and evolve in terms of the services we provide and what's relevant in the market this is you know if you pick marketing you, you, there's no dust accumulating on you and if there is you get to go to business but how do we do that while protecting 
the environment culturally, team-wise that we've created since COVID. We moved to a work-from-anywhere model. And and I, will say, I say this with confidence because I've talked to the team about it. I talk to them on a regular basis about the empowerment, the freedom, how they feel working at Clear Motive now. Uh, being able to fact that they don't have to commute, they can move to, they've, they've, they've traveled more. They do all these things while delivering work at a level and a quality that even better than ever before. And there was good, it was good before. How do we continue to respond to increased client demands, more work, more, some growth, just sheer volume. And when you're in a business that involves humans, like we are growth means people get busier. Growth means you need more people. How do you protect while also still being on the journey? And I think that part of my own evolution was I'm less focused about let's grow our top line. Let's grow our bottom line. Let's grow in a way that maintains what we have without being so protectionist that you forget that you still need to change and evolve. But there's some non-negotiables right now and businesses go through phases as humans do. And as life does, we're in a very positive phase. So I look at it now out of two sides of my eye. One is like on the future and where we need to be to be competitive and value-based for our clients while not losing currently, like, and I say currently, the last couple of years, since we get through COVID, we made some changes. We're coming to the end of the second year where the changes have really landed positively in the group. So it's an interesting juggling act when you want to protect one aspect of it. But don't forget that being stagnant is death to business. So there is a balance there. What about yourself, Chad? I think, I think we've given ourselves permission to run the business the way that we want to run the business. And the interesting thing is I think the outcome of that is that people want to get on board with that. And I, I know for myself anyways, going through the growth of a, of a company, um, there's always this desire to look at a mentor or, or, you know, you read a business book or, uh, you know, we've been involved in different uh, groups with, you know, other business owners and things like that. And I've always had this, well, I would say that I, I'm, I have less of that now, but I, I generally kind of had this expectation that there's so many people out there, so many business owners out there that know more than I do, you know, that, that I can learn so much and that I just need, okay, if I can sort of format what I do um, after this particular benchmark. I mean, a lot of what we do from strategy is we're looking at benchmarks of other businesses and we're doing research and all this stuff. And so naturally it just became part of the way that I looked at the business was that, how, you know, who are we sort of framing ourselves to? And I think one of the things that happened and, you know, during, during the, the, the time of COVID, which really what it came down to for us is that it gave us a time to step back and just actually think about what we wanted. And what we wanted was just a culture of doing work and, you know, having a decent balance of life. Uh, and cause you can get so caught up into, you know, your, your overhead is growing and you got bigger offices and you got more staff and you have all these things. And, you know, we were sort of forced into pruning our, you know, our team. Um, and then what we decided was, you know, who do we really align with the most? Like what types of team members, what types of people, what types of personality? And is it okay that we can just have a business where the culture is actually just doing really good work going super deep in your expertise, finding people in their area of expertise. We're not guided by geographic location. We're not, you know, forced to, you know, choose certain people over another. We just exclusively were able to find people that were just experts at their individual game. And they loved doing what they did. And because you weren't trying to find people that, 
or trying to create a space like an office, you know, downtown that's got the pool tables or the ping pong tables or whatever. And it's like, you've got this environment and, you know, so much of that focuses on culture and like, what's the enjoyment of coming to an agency and all those kinds of things. What it really came down to is these are who, these are the types of businesses that we do work for. This is what we believe. This is how we believe that marketing can impact their business. And do you want to be part of that? And that allows you then that if you have kids, you can, you know, take them and pick them up from school and you can work later in the evening if you need to, or whatever the case may be, as long as you're there to support and serve our customer, that really has become our culture. You do good work and you get to live your life. You know, the one thing I've, I've, I've recognized about both of you, because I've, I've met with both of you together and separate and multiple occasions, and we've gotten lots of deep dives, like lots of conversations. You guys are so open-minded. But the one thing that strikes me that's it's both interesting in this moment and I've just I've experienced with you is that you guys have philosophy. You have like and you really get buy in and you guys are have, have and I even saw and know that you guys have like a list of of things that you've learned over 15 years, like these these philosophies that are kind of like catalysts for your, for your culture to kind of bring to get get buy in. Right. Get buy into your way of thinking. What if you want to describe a little bit like what how do you guys like what is what are they? And, and, and how do you guys sort of see that? Because most people are like very functional, right? Like here's the business, what we do, there's the clients that we serve. But what I like about you guys, you have a bit of a, you have a philosophy and you want to share some of those philosophies and how did you come to, how did you come together with those? Or is it just through experience? It's an interesting question because yes, it is experience. It's time. It's, you know, you do a few laps around the track. You go, oh, I didn't notice that last time. I'm going to do that a little bit different. And, you know, we recently put together a bit of a list of, you know, and there was a time, especially in the early days when we're doing lots of pitching in front of clients, you'd start to notice similar like stories would start to come out. And the one I love, um, that Chad, I think was the original slogan from Switch Marketing Days, which so puts it 15 to 20 years old, <laughs> is you do what you do, we'll let everyone know. Yeah, I like and, that one. You know, that's the one I think that's the one that resonates for me because I remember that first read, I was like, dude, that's awesome. I, I used it on my LinkedIn profile in the last six months because I'm like, it's still awesome because it was so much about being in service. It was so much about, I think, a story that Chad told. You know, I'll let him tell it about his dad and watching his dad struggle with the business and and how he wanted to come in and, and, and kind of almost rescue or kind of save the business owner to allow them to do what they do best. So I don't, Chad, I'll let you tell it because I think it's a powerful story about what's driven you over the years and it, resonate, it still resonates with me 20 years later. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting watching, I mean, the, the, the growth of someone who was incredibly talented uh, and really, you know, was, and he, he was a finishing carpenter and he had a, a crew alongside him and, uh, you know, was working on some of the most incredible homes, you know, in and around Calgary, multi-million dollar homes. And, um, and, you know, and just a true craftsman, you know, so I guess I can thank him for my creative roots. Um, the, the thing that I really started to notice was that uh, he was just so great at, you know, at what he did, but as a business owner, you have this responsibility to kind of be good at a lot of different things. Um, you really have to, it's not even kind of, you have to be good at a lot of different things, or at least be able to find the people that are good at all of those different things. Um, but you know, and I remember actually, I think it was your top 40 under 40, uh, primary headlines. Remember seeing it in a, on a 
frame your wall in your office for so many years, Tyler. It was basically one of the things that I remember anyways. It was one of the quotes that they had pulled out. It was just like, I know how to find people that are really good at what they do. Um, and, you know, the leadership of being able to grow people and encourage them to just do better at the things that they're great at. Um, and so it was sort of the the kind of the catalyst for me was watching this happen. And it was just, you know, I'm, I remember just always thinking, well, why, why don't you kind of get off the tools, you know, like tradespeople would understand that language of like getting off the tools and, or working on the business versus in the business and things like that. And, um, and so from a business serving other businesses, just be great at what you do, at what you build, at what you've invented, at, you know, uh, your particular product or service, and then leave all of the the things to us. And one of the other things that we've said is it, you know, came originally from Roy Williams, um, this wizard of, of, of ad school that I go Literally to the in, wizard in of Austin. ad school in Texas. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've gone there four times now. It's this marketing school down in Austin, just south of Austin. And, uh, he said, um, it's tough to see the label when you're sitting inside the bottle. And so from a marketing perspective, that just became my mantra, right? Of understanding that it's so difficult. And honestly, for us, even when we market our company, we look to external people to help us see what we don't see because, you know, there's just things that we do because that's the way that we know to do them. And somebody from the outside says, oh, that's a really interesting way of approaching it. Well, it's not really interesting to us because that's just the way that we see the world. And so same thing for us looking at other businesses, they just do certain things the way that they do it. And the I would say what, what has really progressed for me, just looking at sort of strategies and uh, differentiation in marketing, what is different is just getting inside the head of the leadership team. Because if you can really understand the way that they look at life and the way that they look at business, it's it's just immediately different because every human is different. And so that becomes your differentiation. And so just as we've really polished that, I think that's that's become kind of a, you know, that's where the philosophy started was seeing someone incredible at what they do and then being able to allow them to do that type of thing. And then, you know, obviously magnify that to other, you know, larger businesses and things like that, but just be great at what you do and let that be good enough. And then we'll take that and, you know, tell the world. There must be, there's, I know I've seen and heard of so many different examples of your lessons, but the one thing I, as an observer is both you guys live with a high level of curiosity you, um, which is a, which is really important. I think with what you're describing with the inside the bottle, it's like you're going into these businesses with a massive amount of curiosity. I've seen a lot of people in this business in this industry that have been in maybe not as long as you or or for a pretty lengthy amount of time, but they've been doing the same thing for ten years, not doing what I see you guys, which is doing. You've evolved over fifteen years. What is some of those those lessons of evolving? Because that is what you know. I love what I, I love my conversations with you guys. I mean, I literally like Tyler and I just went up for lunch just the other day and, and, and I literally was like, oh man, we could probably talk for two more hours because, <laughs> you know, it's just the, the appetite for learning, your curiosity with the things that you do. And you guys have, I, I'm even sharing a little bit about what you guys do outside because I've seen you get a lot of pictures of you guys 
doing really exciting things outside of that. And that, that creates, I think, a really interesting dynamic where it's live work-life balance is kind of, you call it the dash life, so the dash in between. I can't remember what your phrase is when you guys have that. It's all about, it's all about, all the, about dash. the dash, it's right? It's all about the dash. And, you know, you're it's bo- like, you're, born and you, you're born and you die. The dash in between is really what it's all about. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so a business after 50 years can kind of get, it's sort of stagnant in a rut. You guys have not, you guys have completely maintained outside of that. What are some of the, the, the sort of the things that you that you can share with us that kind of show over 15 years that you've been you have been doing or that you guys kind of have cultivated this because it's certainly resulted in your business success not well neither of us actually are the type of people that are okay with just doing the same thing i mean tyler's incredibly disciplined and so he does the same thing you know a lot of different things that we talked about you know fitness the other day and it was just like just stay committed and certainly marketing is all about staying committed to certain things. But I think just individually as people, we won't allow ourselves to go very long without sort of trying something new. And I think that just really infused itself into the business. Well, it's, it's stay committed hundred percent. As you know, one of my, one of my superpowers is being curious. My second one is just my discipline, but not at, not for the sake of staying committed, the ability to go, wait a second. And I'm going to, you know, never waste a good crisis is something that I've said many, many times. And, we got into business back at the uh, the economic crisis back in 08, 09, where we had opportunity to do something different because when there's a break in the market, you can come in as a new person, you can do things better, faster, cheaper, whatever the case may be. Companies are looking for alternative. Um, obviously, being in Alberta, we've lived through the 13, 14, you know, kind of 15, 16, 17, 18 uh, energy downturn, which put the, the city overall into a negative position. So you adapt and you pivot. But for us, never waste a good crisis. We were doing a lot of things because we'd set some growth plans in motion. We'd hired, we'd grown our office space, we'd done a bunch of things. And Chad alluded to it with maybe running the business as we want. And I'll be honest, Scott, there were some things that were like, okay, we're going to stay the course. But there were some red flags. They were like, this isn't really working. We're not growing at the rate that we had hoped based on the investments that we'd made. The margin pressure was was continuing to push down. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19 showed up. And we went, okay, wow. Not only were we on a bad trend, this is really kind of kicked over the apple cart. So, you know, do you just be consistent and stick with it? We were consistent and committed to sticking with the business, but we're at that point, And I thank COVID-19 for this. There was a mirror that came up and said, Hey, are you okay with this status quo? We're quitting. We're bailing. We're getting out of the industry. We're shutting down the business. That was never, that was never a thought. So guess what? We had to change how we looked at everything from how we looked at the overhead model to how we looked at businesses, how we delivered services. So that philosophy and that willingness to grow, we were committed to some things, but we had to get really quickly uncommitted to the way we thought it was going to work because it wasn't working. So the ability to, you know, nothing like a crisis to kick you in the face, but also going, I'm going to stay the course, not for the sake of it, but for the parts that were relevant, but being to have a critical eye and go, hey, you know what? I thought this was going to work. It didn't work. I, I wasn't wrong. I just learned. So let's move forward. We all joke about fail fast and everybody until you do fail or, and what is that? And what does that mean? And, you know, we, we joke, it's a great buzzword in the, the world of startups and everyone's trying to iterate and rebrand and change things. But most of us grow up in an environment where failure wasn't that celebrated, right? So being committed to things versus going, I'm going to throw this aside because it's no longer serving me, but I'm still committed to the bigger picture of running this company or doing this thing, but I'm willing to do it completely differently. To your point, I think that's what I hear when you say from the outside, your willingness to grow and adapt. And I think we've both done that in our own personal lives, reassessed, made significant changes. So if it's not who you are as a person, it's probably not going to find its way into your company. But if you're going to survive in the long haul, Thank God this isn't the company it was five years ago, 10 years ago, or 15 years ago. It's the best version because we learned and we pushed the reset button. 
but we still stayed consistent to the shared value of, no, we're still in, we're doing this thing. Let's find a better way. And so that was a long-winded answer to your story. But I think there's a balance of don't stick with something for the sake of it, but still know what the higher order purpose is and then be willing to throw everything else away if it's no longer serving you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's interesting as, as you're talking, it's, there's, there's sort of, uh, well, there's absolutely two different sides to the business. One, one just understanding, you know, sort of marketing in its true sense is really just the opportunity to, you know, let other people, let new people know, uh, what you're doing and, and really grow the business. Right. I mean, we started very early understanding that marketing is a lever for success. That's it. It's not, it's not about getting awards. You know, some of the things that Tyler was talking about earlier, like there's certain things that I think agencies get locked into of this is what growth means is that we won this award or that, you know, we've done this particular type of campaign and, you know, it's, it's sort of, there's a, there's a sexiness to, to advertising in the, in the agency world. And what we've really always stayed true to is that it is about helping our clients grow as a business from a revenue perspective uh, and, and, and that always, um, sort of, m- it moves itself into being, you, you end up having conversations about the actual business responsibilities, the business operations, the growth, you know, we've always had a sort of fine line in terms of what we actually, you know, charge money for in terms of our work, but we end up having a lot of conversations with different leaders about what's happening in their lives as a leader, what's happening in their business from an operations perspective, like how are they growing and all of these kinds of things. And so the one side is that we've always stayed true to recognizing that our business is about helping other businesses grow. Uh, and we use messaging and we use strategy and we use creative in order to do that. Those are the tactics. But within those tactics, there's always new ways of doing things. And I think there's external factors that push that as well, right? So, you know, an obvious one is technology. I mean, some of the ways that we do things now, like you just couldn't do them five years ago even. Um, some of them not even two years ago, right? Like, I mean, we, we've completely changed. And I would say that one of the greatest things, I mean, what helped us, I think, move to work from anywhere model was that we had an office in Calgary and an office in Toronto. And so somebody was always sort of virtually in the room anyway. And, uh, and, and so it's a challenging thing when you're doing a strategy for a client and you're in a boardroom and you got somebody that's on the screen. So it was just a nice progression to go to like, everybody's on a screen and it actually, it actually really helped us, um, you know, to, to, um, it really helped us to evolve. I guess it kind of forced us to evolve because we had to then use different platforms. And, you know, so the way that we progressed and the way that we evolved, a lot of it had to do with different technology platforms and different things in terms of how we communicate. And, you know, so there were external factors that sort of forced us from a tactical perspective, like how we do things, how we communicate. Um, right now, I mean, it's great. We almost rarely use email. We're always communicating through a different, you know, uh, Slack or, you know, Asana or whatever, these different tools. So there's, those are the things that I think about when you talk about progressing as a business, we progress through technology. We, we progress because, you know, eco- economy progressed and all these different things happening in our world that, you know, sort of pushed that. Um, and it, and it's really exciting because being on the sort of forefront and also working for big businesses that have a hard time changing as quickly as we're able to change 
uh, it immediately sort of put us in a position of actually leading change from a, whether it's digital transformation or the way that we communicate. You know, now some of our larger enterprise clients, we were like, this is the way that we communicate. This is the way that we manage our projects. And they've actually now taken that on as ways to do it themselves because they see how efficient it is. So th- those things have, you know, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a push-pull relationship to, to change. You know, one of the, uh, I hope this isn't going to be insulting my sales, but the way I would describe you guys is pragmatic innovators is that you guys have been like, you innovate, but you're, you're like, you're so thoughtful in the way that you do it. And, and, you know, it makes me think about, um, you've got some longstanding clients, like most agencies, they, they're constantly flipping, um, clients. You've got one client, I think, um, a Honda that you've had for, I don't know, a decade or whatever. And, you know, they, I think that, you know, th- there's, they, they require a change. You guys are changing. But I think that one of the things that appeals is I remember working with you guys. And this is where I think of the pragmatic innovation. You guys were super open to this innovation stuff you were doing within video. Remember, we were doing the, the video program. Mm-hmm. But I just love the questions. You, you were, it was like, we, we weren't going to go and, and leap so far that this was so trendy and different. There was like a certain, uh, I think that that's one thing that your, your reputation for your business is you bring it back to some a real practical landing pad, um, and that's what I, I like because I've, I've, what I my experience in the agency business is if it's big, it's flashy, it could be an award. That's really you know like that's it's like you're going there, but you're always mapping it back to this profitability. Will this make sense? There's like a certain level. Is that is that an accurate statement or point of view from from me being having worked with you, or or would you want to adapt that, Scott? That might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Uh, yeah, pragmatic, <laughs> pragmatic innovation. Like, yeah, no, no. I like. I, I'm just. I want to double check. You know, pragmatic dealing with things sensibly and realistically in a way that is based on practical rather than theoretical considerations. I, I accept. I accept your kind words. It's true. Though. I mean, that's really. I was like, what he said is, you could be insulted. I'm like, do I misunderstand the definition well, of the word pragmatic? I guess with the innovation, <laughs> right? Like, it's pulling back the innovation. Like, people go, like, we innovate, we do change. It can be a little bit of like, it's a. Um, that's that's a that can be like a badge of honor for people. I know, but the first level of innovation is doing the basics well. Like, let's forget we're going to go game changer disruption. I was having a conversation with a gentleman the other day who's working with oil and gas. Um, municipality, uh, small business, non-for-profits to really map out what truly is innovation. He has his own theories. He's a, um, I think it was a chemical, a biochemist coming from the world of nature and what change and innovation actually looks like. And he said, hey, most companies never live in the breakthrough game-changing innovation, but how do we innovate our workflow that removes friction for our team? He goes, that's also innovation. So that's where when I hear you say pragmatic, I think also there's a dynamic in our in Chad and I's relationship where if I see Chad, I'm like, yeah, this has worked out. This is going to be amazing. This could never fail. And I'm like, well, let's talk about if it did fail. <laughs> you know, both are accurate. But if one kills the other, I think that's where real risk can happen. But like, here's the most amazing thing that happened. I had to, over the years, dial back. I had maybe, maybe had to calibrate my pragmatism on the sense of like, I didn't want to hear the crazy idea. Let's, that's too risky versus like, okay, let's run that idea out. Now let's apply some filters on it, where it's going to work, where it could fail, where the risks are. And, you know, mitigating risk isn't not doing the thing. It's understanding what you need to do around it to make it safe, secure, less risky for the client, less risky for us. But, you know, that's where pragmatism and innovation, I think, can really play together with, which allows risk to live right down the center of that too, right? Like risk, managed risk, not reckless risk. Mm-hmm. You know, Chad, do you have something you want to add to that? 
Well, it, it related in my head to uh, one thing that I've always been fascinated about and have a lot of honor for is uh, entrepreneurs that have basically just sort of look at their, you know, their greatest cost line and then decide I'm going to go out and buy a business that does that so I can retain that. You know, we're working with a, a client right now, actually, that they uh, they build large, you know, beautiful agricultural buildings, uh, large, you know, rural structures. And, uh, you know, they went and bought a, a lumber mill, right? And the the reason that they did that was because they needed to control their costs. And so I, I just look at it as those types of things. Like when you said pragmatic innovation, I just, my, my, my head immediately went to, we innovate because we we sort of need to, or we see that there's a problem. So, you know, for us, not as a product company, we don't just look at a line item and say, well, we need to buy a company that does that. But for us, it was, where's our where's our greatest inefficiency? You know, where are our challenges? Uh, what are we not doing well? And then, you know, it's sort of those orange flags uh, that kind of pop up and we're like, hey, we're starting to see this go down a bad road, you know, and, and the the good thing about having such close relationships with our clients, like the collaboration is very strong. The communication is, you know, the cadence is, is often weekly, if not more. Um, and so what will happen is you'll start to see, oh, there's, you know, there's too many versions of changes that are happening in this particular thing. Okay, well, now we're going to, you know, get somebody to go off and figure out how we're going to fix that. And uh, some of our greatest innovations really, you know, I think in, in a great way came from, you know, our team that said, hey, here's something that I'm seeing on a day to day basis in the trenches and we need to solve this. And uh, so it really allowed us to create those different levels of work within our organization so that we now, I think, have a much clearer picture on, you know, who does what, what the lanes are, certainly between Tyler and I, but also within our leadership team and within our senior uh, team and you know right down to to everyone in the organization everyone has a clear path of what they're doing and so we're able to innovate because you know one of our copywriters or graphic designers or whatever comes to the table and says hey there's something new here we should look at it you know we really stay open to it and we look at different opportunities and we move so you know um, that those are the things that I think about when you talk about pragmatic innovation is like innovating because we're seeing something go down the wrong path and we've got to fix it right now. So like to sort of extend a little bit with that. So when I say pragmatic innovation is you guys, the, the marketing is like there, you have that, that's what you have mastery there. What I see is that you guys are older. You've got a different level of experience. I think in some cases you're probably even coaching your clients from mindset thinking you're talking about innovation. You know, it makes me think about, like, used to be clear motive marketing. I think we're still there, but you've just kind of gone to just clear motive. What's the reason for that? Is that because um, you don't want to be seen just as a marketing shop? Because I don't ever view you guys as a marketing shop. I mean, if you think of a marketing shop tends to be a doer or executing on a marketing strategy, I think there's more comprehensive with you guys. Because I have the intimate knowledge of working with you on a couple examples. And you guys came up with innovative, like, not just strategies, but, like, innovation for the company. Is that true? Is that common? Is this tell us a little bit about the story of Clear Motive, the name, and and sort of like where this is 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 really at? Because I think that I think that's probably in fifteen years. I think that might be part of what you guys are experiencing is you really are more than marketing in my mind. Uh, I appreciate that, Scott. And we've always I think resisted. We're not your business coach. We're not here to coach you on your business, but we fo- so firmly believe that marketing is in service of the business. 
Like marketing is never for the sake of marketing. Marketing is for the sake of sales, for the sake of awareness, for the sake of recruiting, whatever your business strategy is. Like you don't write your marketing plan first, you write your business plan first. And then you go, okay, what, what can marketing do to now help deliver against this plan? No different than finance or HR or any of the different divisions that plug into it. So, and we've had this feedback and I think it's what you're capturing on. We've, we've met with a client and we spent an hour asking them questions that sometimes, and this is not a negative, like half the questions they can't answer. And they're like, hey, I just got to tell you, like we met with two other agencies and all they did was show us their awards, show us their reel, show us work they'd done. They didn't ask us anything about our business. All you did was ask us stuff about our business and maybe didn't show us enough of your past work because we need something to compare to. Like maybe that was a fault in a way. But how can I ever claim to sit there with any degree of credibility and go, listen to them and go, you know what? You need a website because I sell as I open my jacket and have watches on one side and ties on the other. Like if the solution, if I already know what the solution is before I go in, am I actually in service of your business or am I just trying to sell the thing that I can get the best margins on or like, that's great. But have you tried the, you know, this product this month? So it's always been a, we had to approach it from a business sense. And I think we've struggled a little bit at times with individuals joining our team that came from a pure marketing background that couldn't or weren't willing, or maybe weren't comfortable, not a criticism, able to have the business conversation where I think the magic of marketing can truly come alive. And it's always been part of our DNA and we've got that. And it's a classic, I think, core competency example when people are like, well, that's unique. You're like, what What do you mean unique? That's just what we do because we have like, how else would you do it? They're like, no, no, no. Other people don't do it that way. <laughs> so, you know, I've had explained to me your true core competency. You often don't realize what it is because it's what you wake up in the morning doing inherently or innately based on your experience and so on. And that's a little bit, I think, when we say we're strategy led, it's not just marketing strategy. It's strategically understanding your business, offering. We've come up with new business ideas for our clients through the marketing. We've come up with ways to rebrand. We've like, hey, do you think this is a spinoff? Like they've come out simply because we were having a deep conversation about their business, not because we went in with any intention to be their business coach. So I would say we're still a marketing company in our DNA. We just believe that that's how to get there. I don't know, Chad, you want to add into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, it starts with really that sort of core desire of curiosity, really. I mean, that's where I think it comes from is that, well, I'll, I will say that one of your questions that you asked, Scott, was where did the name Clear Motive come from? And it was really just because you're, you know, there's a there's a customer and there's a, you know, a service provider, a business. And they each have a motive. And if we can be the company that clarifies the motive so that there can be the bridge, that's really where we want to win, right? So, uh, and that's, I think, how to win, I should say. Um, the more that a business understands truly what their customer actually wants, the the better we're going to be able to convey that message and the, and the strategy and all those kinds of things. Uh, I think about back to my sort of my initial job in marketing i was working for a supercross team and traveled all around north america at different supercross events and and i was writing press releases and i was designing the transporters and the the dirt bike graphics and the helmet graphics and the posters and i was supporting you know all these autograph sessions and all this kind of stuff and i got to know the mechanics really well and i remember them saying it's kind of funny because they just referred to marketing as tits and lipstick <laughs> And, you know, I just, I really, I laughed because it was just like, yeah, that's the way that a lot of times people will see it is it's just like, you know, you can, whatever cliche, you can throw lipstick on a pig. And ultimately, if the business or the product, you know, isn't great, then it's really difficult to, to like authentically market it. Right. So I think some of the ways that, that as a business, we've really been able to, uh, I guess, decide on our clients 
is do we actually believe in the product? Because, you know, it will come across where you really just don't believe in the product. And, and it's funny because, I mean, you, you know, mentioned our longstanding relationship with Honda. Like, I mean, that's my, I, I was actually just having a conversation in Toronto last week with uh, the head of digital integration of Honda that started as a marketing coordinator uh, 20 years ago. And my first email, I was curious because I went back into my emails and I found an email from her 20 years ago. So, you know, now she's kind of one of our primary clients within Honda. And, uh, you know, my first, my first communication with her was over 20 years ago. And I think that we've created that. Uh, I mean, we're, we, we, we know a lot of the way that they operate. And I think that really sets us up to be able to help them in a lot of different ways outside of just the straight creative. And so when we were sitting down and talking, it was, you know, we understand the product of, you know, motorcycles or power equipment or whatever particular product we're, we're focused on. Uh, but we, I think in more important than that, we understand the way that the business functions. And so if we understand that the way that the business functions, now we can provide a message that makes sense for Honda as a business versus a Honda motorcycle as a product. And the more that we can secure that relationship and deepen that relationship, it just, you know, it, it just makes sense to, to continue serving them. You know, I, I, there's a, a, that's a, a beautiful answer, you know, from my experience, because I got to work on a couple of clients with you guys, and this this resonates with me so well, is both times of, of two particular clients, they both said the same thing. And, 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 and Tyler, you'll probably more, more, you specifically remember this when we went, we went and did a road trip together with this client. <laughs> we did. We and did. the client I, I said, figured, I, figured, I figured that's where you're going. Well, it's actually, but there's another one that we did in your studio, but the one, that one yeah. was very, very pointed because he was almost angry. He was asking, well, when are you going to get to the marketing? Because you guys are asking all these questions and we were like, and you were asking a lot of detailed questions that seemingly to him had nothing to do with marketing, but everything to do with marketing because you're just what you were saying, Chad, about the operations, about you to really identify if this was a the right client, you know, because I think you guys, one of your philosophies is success is who you say no to, you know, so it's like you want to uncover those things. But the other is like that curiosity you guys have asking all these things. I, I noticed that both with both those both those clients, they were kind of okay. When are we going to get the the pitch? When are we going to get the 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 activity? And I love that you guys just are immovable objects on this. You want to make sure you know what you know. Um, yeah. Is that accurate? Is that across the board? Why just my experience? <laughs> no, I would. Uh, it's funny too. I love it. I love it because it's you know one of the things where uh, it's it's helpful for Tyler and I to look at things in a different way is that oftentimes what will happen is Tyler's like stick to the scope, Chad, stick to the scope, right? Like here's what we sold them, here's what we're going to do, and it's hard because in some cases we'll be working with other agencies with a client, right? And it's here's our scope and here's our work that we need to focus on, and I feel. Uh, I feel handcuffed if I actually don't understand the business model and if I don't understand the strategy. And so we could, in some cases, be, you know, focused on we're just coming in to, to do the, you know, the user experience and the information architecture and the design and all that for the website. But I've never thought of a website as just a creative exercise. A website is, you know, your sort of reflection of your your company to the world. And if I don't understand who your company is to the world, you know, or to your customers, then I, I, I can't, you know, lead this, the creative strategy. Uh, and, and so I, I, you know, to me, I, I guess it's kind of what you had said earlier, Tyler, where it was just, 
Like we don't see it any other way. Like if, if, if you really fundamentally believe that marketing is just, you know, a way of growing your business because you're essentially just sharing your, you know, your vision and your product with other people, you know, it, it, you can't do it without truly understanding the business. Like you don't, you know, even salespeople, I don't think want to actually sort of sell and nobody wants to be sold to, but people want to buy, right? Like people want to make their lives better. People want to have more enjoyment in their life. And so, you know, if we can share the way that a business is going to help another business grow or you succeed as a person, or you have a more fun lifestyle or whatever sort of the net benefit at the end of the day is uh, like, that's exciting stuff to me. You know, and and so if if we don't if we don't really believe that it's actually benefiting somebody in a positive way, it's really difficult to market that company. <laughs> Anything to add there, Tyler? No, no. Sometimes it's just what it's perfect. Yeah, it's okay. like I look at you know that's again when you said the example before, like you know inside the bottle versus the label. That's me looking at you guys. And you guys are probably just, that's the way you are. So I just, um, I have the unique experience of working with multiple agencies over, you know, so I get, I get to see a little bit how you're different and you probably don't even realize how uniquely different you guys have become. And, uh, but, but it seems like you guys are, are sure aware of it, but um, I certainly think that the world needs to know that, you know, it's like, I, I love one of your things, you know, you can't fix a secret, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a few things that I think you guys um, in your 15 years, I can see a, a, a continued evolution of like doing more innovation and strategic thinking and, and sort of marketing at a next level. What would be something that you guys are really excited about right now? And, you know, thinking about like when you're sharing people are listening up to 15 years, they kind of want to know like, what is next? I kind of t- alluded to it before, but like, if you think about quite honestly, is it really staying the course or is there, is there, is there, are you guys, where are you guys thinking about innovating yourselves? I'll, I'll take conversation. Yeah, go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's, I just not the business. Say, it could be even your own personal innovation. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'll jump in there because one of the things that, um, and I'm sort of thinking about the, you know, the progression of the last, you know, the last answer of, of, uh, I think one of the reasons, and I'll I'll give a bit of a, a shout out here to to Tech Canada, um, you know, a group of of business owners that get together for one day a month, and I was involved in tech for seven years, and and then at that at the point that I decided to to you know to do something differently was because you know Tyler and I were doing it together uh, in separate tech um, communities, but. I just decided I said, you know, you're the the whole priority is really basically of you know growing business and becoming a biz, better business leader and things like that. And um, and what I recognize is that I really want to dive deeper in becoming a better marketer, since you're really prioritizing really the you know sort of the running of the business kind of thing. And uh, and so I'm going to now you know reroute the 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 budget that we're putting into tech for me, and I'm going to put it into conferences and things like that, so that I can go deeper in this and. The thing that I'm really excited about, I mean, you know, as much as it's buzzy and all that, but there's all these new technologies, like, of course, with AI and, you know, all these different, like, we've been going deeper into uh, Figma and Sitecore and, um, you know, user experience and digital integration and all of that kind of stuff. Because if you if you then continue on the path of marketing is about business growth, 
then part of what's happening in the world of business growth as it relates to the way that users interact with brands is that it's a it's about the the sort of holistic user experience meaning that it's you know your your website can be sort of the hub but then how do you get to the information there's lots of third party ways of doing that and you know if we're going to use Honda as an example there's you know there's different shootouts where third parties will you know have youtube channels of like this product versus this product and which one is better and so people are getting all of this information but then uh, still a massive part of their uh, customer journey of getting through to actually purchasing a Honda product is definitely going to be their website. And so the thing that I'm really excited about is recognizing how technology and AI and all of these things are creating so much more of a convenient, simple approach for people to get information. Because if there's so much information happening online and so many different ways for me to get information, what what it still comes down is actually the most sort of um, accurate, authentic, sort of honest review of a product is going to be that brand's website still. Even though I can go and take a look at all these different things and even selling a product, I could, uh, you know, my son was looking at an electric dirt bike the other day. And so he was like showing it to me and, and he was, you know, there's all these like YouTube celebrities that are just making millions of dollars as, you know, YouTube celebrities and doing all these product reviews and all that kind of stuff. And it's part of the process for sure. But the thing that I'm really excited about is what are what is the new sort of omni-channel approach? Like what what is actually happening in the mind of a consumer from you know once the point that uh, that they recognize that hey I'm curious about this and you know I'm coming as someone that's sort of like old school and just using the reference of the electric dirt bike just kind of you know almost makes me cringe a little bit because it's like part of this is turning the throttle and hearing a rip and, you know, having the exhaust fumes and all those kinds of things like that's like, yeah, that's, that's biking. Um, but now I'm starting to recognize it's like, Oh, there's, there's actually some benefits now to this. And, you know, so I'm watching my own kind of conversion path. And so from a, from a brand strategy to a, a user experience and, and really truly understanding the customer and what they actually want, what matters to them, and then being able to draw the line from them not even knowing that they need this in their life to recognizing now that I can't live without this in my life, that fascinates me. And I, I, so what I'm excited about is just going deeper and deeper and deeper into that. What actually causes people to do what they do? And that's always sort of been my, you know, my personal, you know, interest and excitement in marketing. But now there's this whole other technology component that, you know, there's new things that are existing and being built and developed every single day. And, uh, and I, I just find that really fascinating. So what I'm really excited about, what's the next step is just clear motive, getting deeper and deeper and deeper into understanding the connection from A to Z on the customer journey. Mic drop. I love it. So I'll, I'll, I'll put on my CEO hat and I'll give you the people process technology answer. So one of the greatest side effects of us moving to a, a, a work from anywhere culture is that we've become even more clear on who fits that model. The level of autonomy that's required and the self, self-motivation and self-discipline to be a work from anywhere person, but the willingness and the need to still connect and communicate effectively with your team. We're not looking for hired guns and lone wolves. We're looking for people. I'll give you the perfect scenario. Someone's worked at an agency for a while. They said, ah, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go off as a contractor. And all of a sudden they go, oh, you know what? I really love this, but I kind of miss the team. I still miss being connected to a group of people. That's a formula for us. That's an individual that's like disciplined and gone deep on their skill set, like Chad said earlier. And they can be anywhere across Canada. It doesn't matter to us. 
That's the beauty of it. But they went deep on their skill set. But somewhere they went, you know what? I still want to be part of something bigger. I still want to communicate with people. I still want to be accountable. I still want to be helpful. I still want to be resourceful. I still want to be curious to learn. And I still want to speak up. Coincidentally, those are our values in case anyone's making notes. And when we find somebody who fits that bill, that's the people formula. And more of those going forward is going to make it better. Process, how do we work? And that's so much process and technology. Let's be honest, they really overlap. If you have the value set of being accountable, being helpful, be resourceful, be curious, learn, be speak up, and you have the right tools that are set up in a way to allow you to be efficient, and whether that's Proposify or ProofHQ or Slack or Asana, all these tools are amazing. But if you don't use them to engage and to make your life better, they're just another friggin' thing you're supposed to use. So how do you make sure that those continue to evolve? And those are 10, 10x better than they were when COVID hit us. And we had a lot of these tools in place, but we weren't using them properly. We weren't using them to make our lives, to make it easier. Lastly, technology, AI, machine learning, like just, I can just say those two. I'll just say AI. <laughs> Everything that that's going to implement from the way we use Adobe to the way we write copy to the way we engage in our social media to the, to the tools that are going to allow us to force multiply. I don't see most any of those technologies in our world and the type of people we work with replacing. I see it augmenting them and turn everybody into a little bit of a superpower. I'm actually going to, I decided I was going to add to my LinkedIn profile that I'm, that I'm, um, I'm AI augmented because I've heard that you can get a lot more money in your pitch deck these days. If you put AI in there, I use chat GPT. <laughs> so I think that I am AI augmented for sure because I use it. So technically I've augmented my skill sets by using this tool. Um, I've read some stat around like 80% of pitch decks now have AI in them and only 20% of them actually have AI. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to rewrite my LinkedIn profile because I also use chat GPT. Uh, anyways, tongue in cheek. I see people process technologies, things that I'm excited about. Back to that, I said right at the beginning, as we become more clear on who we are, more proud and more willing to embrace it, you tend to attract more of the right people. People that go, hey, I like that. I like what you're about. I like that. I like that outfit you're wearing. I like that way you talk. And the work from anywhere has really allowed us to open the gates for people to be truly from anywhere. And as long as we do the process and technology part and hire for the fit of culture and values, it is a, it's, it's, we're doing more work easier than we ever had before. And I'm not saying it's easy but it's easier <laughs> than it was before. I think it's something I want to quantify. So the next, if I think about the next five years, which is kind of where my head's at, I'm turning 50 coming up. So everything in my life is fives now. So I'm turning 50 in a month. And um, so the next five years for me, if I can just keep circling around those while su fully supporting what Chad is focused on and let the team come around that, that is a formula for fun over the next five years. I love it. Beautiful. You know, this is why I think I, I, I get along with you guys so well. I mean, you guys, I've given you guys a copy of my book. And, you know, one of the things that um, I disagree with uh, Peter Drucker, he says, innovation marketing, the only two levers for business, I think is missing the third one. I think it's because that was top down is culture. And you guys really have hit on all three as, as a sort of a unique factor for you guys. And and one of the ones that I, I feel like embodies all three of those is a lot of people may or may not. They a lot of them know you from you guys. You guys are so embedded in the community. I, I've, I've when I want to know what's going on in the community, I talk to you guys because because <laughs> I'm not right. Like you've you've really been at the forefront. Like most people talk about lip service in the community or being part of the culture, but you guys you guys paid your dues. Like you have consistently been embedded in helping grow the local community, the tech community, the the business community with um, you know your podcast, your involvement. You guys are in different communities. Tell me a little bit about that because I think that is like just a great wrapper around this whole innovation marketing and culture, which is kind of like your secret sauce in, in my mind because that's how to market without marketing in my opinion. 
<laughs> selling. I had somebody, um, I started the podcast for anyone who doesn't know. I'm a, I'm an avid and enthusiastic podcaster, uh, Collisions YYC, and they just get it. But Collisions YYC was one we started back in 2019. And I had a couple of buddies call me up. They're like, oh, you know what? I wasn't sure like why you were spending time on this, but all of a sudden I realized you were selling without selling. And I kind of laughed because, you know, content creation. and But ultimately that was a chance for us. We Please notice we did collisions YYC. We didn't do Clear Motive's take on marketing. We didn't do Tyler Chad's marketing corner because we didn't want to be another talking head on marketing. We wanted to do exactly what we do as an agency, but in the real world, elevate and help tell people's stories. Make I make my guests the hero first, which I believe in turn makes the audience the hero by giving them access to some really cool behind the scenes, unique transformational thing that's happening in Calgary. And back in 19, that story was a bit more negative and I chose positive and Chad always, Chad's always joked, like we didn't put this in our 15 year, but make the client excited to pick up the phone when you call. Cause if you're always calling to share something that's going wrong with them, they're probably going to maybe want to not pick up the phone. So I said, you know, I'm going to go out and be realistic about our ecosystem, but I'm going to have positive conversations about people that are making change. And I'm going to tell their stories because that's what we do. And it was honestly, I look back on it. It probably makes a lot more sense in reverse, but it was the single greatest decision I made to get involved with the community through an action. Like you said, it wasn't lips. It was technically lip service because I just talk to people, but it was never about us. It was never about the agency. It was never about me ever. The only reason I felt okay to do it is because I don't have all the answers, but man, do I have some questions and I can get anybody on there and ask them questions. And it's been such a journey for us to really prove when you elevate others and when you help them tell your story, the, the return on it is exponential, but it's not a straight line. And a lot of times brands, companies really miss that. They're like, well, if I Chad's made, but I put a dollar in the gumball machine. I turn it, a lead's going to come out the bottom. I don't know. What did you give them? What did you do for them? Did you just, you know, you know we all think our customers are going to buy differently than we do. I'm going to show them one ad and they're going to give me money. That's not how it works. So our engagement in the community has been us, I think, doing what we believe versus saying what we believe. It's interesting because I thought about the, you know, the, the community as far as, you know, generally it's kind of this localization, you know, or this, this local thing. Um, <clears throat> and I guess it's local in the sense that, I mean, it's, it's really national for us. I mean, you know, I think about the mesh conference that's coming down in, in Toronto uh, in about a, um, two months time, uh, beginning of December. And it's really, to me, exciting to be involved in, in a community across Canada. And uh, it's really interesting because, I mean, going to Toronto and spending time in, uh, like, uh, we were having a, a session this morning, a meeting this morning, and um, Stephen from our team is in Nova Scotia. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, we've got a, another one from our Honda team that's, you know, in, she came back from mat leave and she's in Italy. She's living in Italy. Her husband's a professional hockey player. Uh, we have one that's, you know, going to Palm Springs for a couple of months. She's going to be working there and, you know, over the winter and some other people are going to Mexico. Like it's this work from anywhere model. Like we are really living and breathing this. And so when you talk about like our kind of quote community, it's really, it's like, it's not Calgary. It's not Calgary and Toronto. It's not just Canada. Like it's literally, you know, we're sharing stories about what's happening in, you know, the Northern parts of Italy this morning. So, you know, there's just so many different things and I find it really fascinating uh, what's opened up for us as this work from anywhere model. And, uh, and now, you know, going in and sort of promoting and helping, uh, you know, this mess, mess conference and bringing some of our uh, Eastern Canadian clients, you know, to that and, 
you know, all of the different things. And of course, there, you know, I even think about some of the things where we've been a part of uh, different conferences, even, you know, down in, in the States and things like that. So there, I think it's, it's kind of one of those things, I guess, you know, sort of going on the lines of core competency. It's like, well, how, how could you really do it any other way? Um, like you, you have to be connected to what's happening in communities because, you know, there's only so much you can get off of articles and, you know, as much as I love podcasts and all those kinds of things, and they're incredible. Um, still you're actually sitting and talking to someone face to face and you, you know, you get the, the sort of things that people are scared to say over a microphone or just wouldn't. Um, that's, I think, you know, the, the sort of old school belly belly <laughs> sales, right? I mean, like that's, that to me is where you actually find out, you know, what people think and what causes people to think a different way. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. So, you know, being involved in the community, actually allowing our greater team to be involved in their communities, uh, you know, it actually is, it's really, there's interesting things that are coming as a result of that. So it's super exciting. So to kind of getting close to, to putting, you know, a little bit of a wrap around this session, one of the things I was curious about, if you're willing to uh, play along with me on this one a little bit. So this is going to go for the bonus round of questions. Tell if, if either one of you could tell a story about in 15 years of business, it could be a disaster, something you've never shared publicly. You can leave names out for all I care, but like something that, that was just like, cause I mean, I did a podcast with my business partner we took two hours and all we talked about was all these disasters that we were part of. But the flip side was like what we learned from it. And, you know, it's, it's been, you know, incredible growth, but there's been, certainly there's been things that have either been absolutely hilarious, can't even believe it happened or total disaster. And maybe there was some enlightening moment from it. Could either one of you uh, share one or each of uh, a story that, that maybe you haven't shared? You can leave names out. <laughs> Are you willing to do that? Of course. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one that comes to mind because it was one of them. One, it was very painful, but I'll let Chad go first if he wants. I doubt it'll be the same story that I might tell. I'll definitely leave the same story. See, I like this already, right? You guys are already like, okay, this is making you squeam a little bit, but let's just do this. It is. A they came, bit, that yeah, way they know they came to this interview and they got the juice at the end. Let's let's give it to them. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting a stomach ache just thinking about this one. There, we we and and I and I will uh, I'll I'll reroute it into. Uh, the the benefit so so we had actually printed thousands and thousands and thousands of a of a brochure uh, that went to uh, you know went a, like lit literally across Canada uh, and I mean just the logistics of this whole thing and uh, I don't even remember exactly what the error was but it was it was dramatic enough that we had to reprint thousands of uh, and, and the, the hard thing was, is that we didn't notice until, you know, the, the first recipient of their package of brochures, you know, were like, there's a, there's a major mistake in here. Um, and of course it was, I mean, catastrophic from a financial perspective, from a schedule perspective. I mean, you know, we thought we we're going to lose the client, all this kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it was, it was major. It was a hundred, it was a hundred thousand dollar mistake. Yeah. Yeah. At, plus, at a time in our, at any time, a hundred thousand dollars is a real mistake, but we were, it was many years ago and I'm laughing because we're telling the, it's the exact same story I would tell. And it was like 96 or $97,000 mistake. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just yeah, to let I, the audience feel it, like just feel the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, <laughs> it was funny because you had mentioned earlier, Scott, that, uh, you know, just different things that Tyler and I have done outside of, of work, you know, in the, in the strategy sessions. And we were actually, uh, shortly after maybe it was a year i mean tyler always says you know time plus 
uh, what, what is it? Trauma plus time equals hilarity. <laughs> yeah. This one is like, th- 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 this one's almost funny, but oh it still God, sucks I'm a little bit. That. That is epic. Trauma, trauma plus time. Like you wait long enough, everything is funny. Oh this one is almost <laughs> long enough. <laughs> I think it was literally nine months or something like that later. It was a significant enough time where it was still hurt to talk about it. Um, you know, because I'll, I'll, I'll take the responsibility on this one. I mean, it was ultimately on my watch and, you know, my, anyway, so it was, it was like, ultimately, you know, I was the one to blame. And so it was, it was, (laughs) it was a tricky one for our relationship. Um, but, uh, you know, it was funny because we, we went racing, we were motorcycle racing down in Vegas and, you know, it was like after the race and, you know, it was finally like time that we could actually sort of sit down and talk about this and, you know, what we had learned and stuff. And it, it took a, it took a while. Um, because of course, if you can imagine at the time, I mean, yeah, the hundred thousand dollars is, is, is significant. Uh, the, the addition to that is, you know, the, the hurt on the relationship between Tyler and I, the relationship between our, you know, creative team, obviously with the client, you know, the, the sleepless nights on fixing the issue, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Let's just suffice to say that I am so grateful that, you know, so much of what we do now is digital. And just thinking about, you know, I was joking with the kids the other day. I'm just like, you know, watching a show and you just so easily just like, oh, I'll hit pause and, you know, we'll watch the rest of the show later. Like, you know, think back is like you never were able to do that. It was like you actually scheduled your dinner around a show if you actually wanted to watch a show. And it was you like, couldn't hit you pause know, on life for sure. Yeah. 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 So I like had this whole memory lane, you know, event with the kids and like we had TV guides. And anyway, so it was just like now like progressing uh, to the way that our world is. It's just, you know, you can you find a mistake and the mistakes aren't as catastrophic because generally it's, you know, it's a digital thing, um, you know. Uh, obviously Prince does his place and I don't want to knock that, but at the same time, I mean, it's just so, I'm so gla- glad that, you know, our technology now is generally speaking, most of the stuff that we do, if there's a mistake, we can, you know, catch it and fix it real time. <clears throat> but yeah, that was definitely, you know, a major, <laughs> major, um, what, major what thing. What I love is I'm glad you went first, Chad, because I would have told the exact same story. And I was like, I was going to tell the follow along story, which was the Vegas story, which you also told. So I think I think Scott all the way back to one of your original questions, and if anybody's still listening, they're getting the bonus round. But um, when I talk about what it takes to be in a good partnership, forgiveness and space, and give the other person some grace, because we're we're all going to fuck up. It's not if, it's when. It's like the old joke with motorcycling: there's the riders that have crashed, the riders that are going to crash, but you're going to probably crash. You're in business; you're going to make a mistake, you're going to make an error, you're going to do something wrong, and sometimes it might cost you a hundred thousand dollars. But we were sat in, we were sitting in Vegas. We'd spent a day on the racetrack, which has its own kind of level of adrenaline and highs and lows and the journey. And if you ever want to really find out who you are as a person, go jump on a go jump on a thousand cc motorcycle and throw go throw yourself around the racetrack with guys that do it every day. If you really want to get humbled real quick, but that's that's another <laughs> podcast for another day. Lessons learned on the racetrack. But we're out for dinner. We're having a couple of drinks, and Chad leans over to me and he's like, he's like, dude, like are we cool? And this was like months afterwards, honestly. And to this point, like we just, we, we got, we buckled down like this sucks. We're going to fix the problem. We're going to move forward. And, and it was, it was kind of like, and it was how you worded it. And I can't remember exactly, but like, you're not going to break up with me. Are you? It was kind of like that joke back to the, like I'm circling all the way back. But I was like, I still remember it. Cause I'm like, no, absolutely not. Because one, I have already screwed up and I probably will screw up again, but this is part of being in the relationship. It's part of being human. And yeah, fuck, it sucked. But let's work together and find a way to make sure it doesn't happen again. And it's never happened again. And, and, and that was 10 years ago plus. 
So the ability to forgive and the ability to allow the people around you to be human, because God knows it's just a matter of time until you are. That's something I mm-hmm. wouldn't have called out when you asked what it takes to be a, a, in a partnership, but giving each other grace, man, it's so critical. And yeah. you only find out in the shitty times when that's real. Because otherwise it's, it's just like in lip service. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm forgiving until you've really got to do it. And then you find out. So I'd add that to the list of what makes for a solid relationship and is actually the cornerstone of our relationship because it exists, not because we talk about it. <laughs> it's like broken, broken bones are stronger after they heal. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. We've been around the, yeah, very yeah, true for sure. Yeah. We've been, we've very been true. In, the, in the trenches, but the ability to forgive and just let everyone be human. Cause you, you're going to have your turn. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> Any last thoughts, Chad? You know, it's funny. We had a, uh, we had our 15 year uh, anniversary party at, at, uh, at my place a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, obviously Tyler has, has become a, you know, an MC for various events and with the podcast and all that is communication and presentation abilities and all of that is just, you know, skyrocketed over the last few years and it's great. And then when we do these types of events, that's where, you know, I get the, the stress of the imposter syndrome of like, I'm supposed to go up and, you know, speak, um, after Tyler speaks and, you know, that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my own journey. But I mean, just going through this whole thing, um, one of the things that, you know, I, I really, I said at the event and, uh, you know, and, and it's just, it really is powerful to be able to be more clear than ever on number one, what our roles are, uh, you know, and, and just completely committed, you know, it's, you hear it in marriages and things like that, where people have been married for, you know, 15 years or 20 years or so on longer, uh, where it's just like, you know, I, I, I love you more than the day that I met you kind of thing. Whereas in our, in our relationship, I mean, you know, we've certainly as any relationship, there's been significant, you know, ups and downs, there's been some incredible highs and there's been some incredible lows. And, uh, and it's just, it's so great. I mean, it's one of the things that we can really honor as growing up because there's enough things that you feel stressed about when you're growing up in age. But one of the beautiful things it allows is it allows you to really be aware and appreciate the things that you've learned and the relationships that you have. And, uh, you know, the relationship that, that Tyler and I have, and I, I, I know that I can speak this for both of us because we, we actually do talk about it a lot. It's just like, we appreciate each other so much. Um, and you know, and there's, there's, it's, it's really, it's a really great thing because I think we're now actually really starting to, um, really sink into the value of our relationship and the value of the differences in our relationship. And, you know, just the way that you ask the questions, you know, I just, I want to express my gratitude to you, Scott, uh, for today. And, and the way that you asked the questions and then, you know, the way that we answered the questions, it's just, it's really interesting because, you know, we have a, a, a completely different perspective and different take on it, but the core fundamental beliefs and the philosophy, as you put it, are exactly the same. I am. I thanks again for inviting me to your party. I'm sorry I missed it, and I'm so honored to be here to you know give birth to this 15 anniversary podcast. I'm I'm honored actually that you guys would ask me to do this, and thank you for the for your kind words. You know, the truth is is that you know I really look up to you guys. I, I really look at uh, what you've created over the last 15 years as being quite remarkable, and uh, you know your reputation is what people say. Um, you know, about you when you guys leave the room. And I can tell you that what people think and, and say about you guys in your business is, is quite fondly. And, and for me, it's the pragmatic innovator. So you guys are incredible. 
Thanks, man. That's 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 Thank this you. was a blast, man. I knew it'd be fun and uh honored to uh to have, you know, bring someone in who's been inside the you've been behind the curtain, you've been behind stage, you've been side stage, you've seen it. So your questions are from a place of uh you know, you weren't reading them off a list, you were taking them off your own experience, which just I think I this makes for a better podcast all in all. Yeah, we're just kind of winging it. <laughs> Uh, no, no, but hey, we're just having a good, the yeah. lost art of a good old fashioned conversation. So Scott, yeah. as, uh, as the traditional host of this show, I really am honored to have you come on and kind of turn the tables on me a little bit. And uh, by all means, clearmotive.ca, check us out, uh, Collisions YYC. What about you, Scott? What, what, uh, somebody wants to get into, I've had you interview before and people have reached out to me go, hey, that guy interviewed you. I really liked him. Where can I get more? How would, uh, how would people get a way to, to, to hear more about Scott's philosophy on the world? Uh, com. That's probably the best way to point you everywhere you need to go. Amazing. Yeah. Great book. Great, uh, great theories. And back to having theories versus having, you know, concepts. And you've, uh, you've recently kind of made that big jump of doing your first book. So huge kudos to you on that. I've been on that journey with you as well and had the experience of engaging. So just want to throw a little love back. You've been throwing a lot of love our way today. So thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. 